Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We have back our good buddy, DJ Murakami. Welcome back, DJ. Good to have you on again, brother. Dennis and Neil, good to see you guys. And we wanted you on because you just released your Torque Stick manual, man. So we wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Have you been playing around with it at all? Dude, I loved it, brother. Thank you for the access. Awesome stuff, man. For those of you who don't know what a Torque Stick is, how would you describe it, DJ? So, I mean, it's old piece of equipment. I remember first seeing it at a swap meet when I was a kid and thinking like, (laughs) <laughs> Look at this gimmicky thing. It reminded me like the Jane Fonda uh, the thigh exercise. Thigh master. The thigh master, right? <laughs> but yeah, it was big in the uh, 50s, 60s. York and Weeder had mm-hmm. uh, their brands out of those. You know, bodybuilders and bodybuilding magazines. It was kind of a popular at-home piece of equipment. So that was kind of my idea of it until I ran into some um, strongmen competitors who were doing like feats of strength while closing like a hundred kg sticks. And I thought it was just a fascinating feat of strength. And then Julian Pinal strong fit who kind of has the torque internal torque concept was like, this is a great teaching tool for exercises and priming movements. You know, I got a few and just spent a couple years playing with these sticks, which is pretty much a spring bar with handles at the end that you close together and bend and then it kind of springs back so it's this large compression force pretty much and that's something um old time strongman used to do the iron bending and bending the nails and just you know this this man's strength of crushing together that you don't see too much in conventional exercise in the gym. I know you guys like to play with it, like squeezing the plates mm-hmm. and these things like that, which I love. And yeah, I think it's really beneficial to add that kind of torque into movements. Well, it's kind of funny because it's a piece, like you said, it's been around for a long time. I remember growing up as a kid, my dad had one. Oh, cool. I mean, I used to play one. I used to try to bend it when I was, you know, seven, eight years of age. Can't budget. And then it just kind of like, poof, it disappeared, right? And uh, when you first posted it, I was just like, oh, duh. Like, then I, they, every, like everything came back, and I was like, oh, that's such a great piece of equipment. Yeah, my uncle had one. It was the one with, I think the coils were silver, and the, yeah. ha- the handles were orange, orange or something. Or red. Or red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my cousin would try to mess around with it, and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what this thing does. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so someone told me they had an old Bruce Lee signature stick from wow. 30 years ago and i was like wow i guess he get in, got in on that too that's a collector's yeah, yeah, yeah. don't lose that one wow. but yeah i guess it needed uh, for me as well it just needed to be recontextualized uh, for the the benefits of what you could use this for because yeah it's, it's just a piece of equipment but i think it opened up oh it can be used for this practical teaching tool you know just like the stick mobility the the great thing is you can put it in someone's hand and you just tell them to push or pull and it it does the job for you and it bypasses all that conceptual cueing and trying to explain what you want their body to do. You just put it in their hands and they feel it. And now they have that experience and tension to draw upon. They have that reference point. 
which I think is is what makes it things like this, tools like this, so useful. So I know they make them in a bunch of different weights. Has that always been the case, or is that just something recent? I'm not sure. I from the old like vintage ads I've seen, it came in like a standard weight. Mm-hmm. The ones now, yeah, they go up to from 20 kg to 100 kg. The one I have is like adjustable. So depending on where you put your hands, 40 on the inside, 20 on the outside. I honestly use the small ones. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Neil bought the 80 kg. I was like, let me just see what this thing is about. Oh, shit. (laughs) You you would, Neil. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So he comes into the gym the one day as we're filming. He goes, here, you want this? And I look, I go, okay. He goes, it's the 80 kg. And I go to, I couldn't budge it. I was like, yeah. are you shitting me? And we're laughing. I'm like, I can't even freaking move this thing. Well, it's interesting, man. Like I tried to, I tried to shut it this way, you know, oh, and this way. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, I can't do it. But I got my body into a weird position over here and started cranking and I got it down. But man, it was just doing it this way. You know, I'm pretty weak, even on the, on the 60. But if I put it to the side and I could, I don't know, it was just to get my elbow, leverage it in and, and crank this way, it worked. Yeah. Once again, like the strong men who do the iron bending, they're like wedging their elbow in their yeah. side or they're yeah. putting it on top of their head and pulling down. So it's like, hey, here's the task. Bend this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like just do it. Doesn't have to look pretty. So that's cool that you you figured it out. And another funny thing I realize about those is it would be like impossible for people to close, but they would get it once. And then from that point, they would always get it. Have you guys experienced that? It's like the beta. Yeah. It's like a beta when you're climbing. Exactly. Yeah, one problem you yeah. just can't get, but as soon as you get it, you're like, oh, it's so easy now. Yeah. It's like your nervous system knows it's possible. And it's like, okay, this can be done. I'm yeah. going to give you uh take the governor off. It's exactly what it feels like. Not even being able to budge the 80 makes it all that more impressive when you see somebody just cranking on the 100 kilo like it's no big deal. You're like, that is a strong, I mean, insane. It's Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen one of my clients uses it as a um, readiness test. So for like just a gauge of his nervous system and, and state, and he'll close it before he works out. And he's like, oh, I know exactly how I'm going to feel for the day. And he can kind of adjust according with his workout. So it's interesting. Yeah, I've had in some people who've kind of left out the 100 kg or haven't touched it. And then after their workout cycle, it kind of closes easy for them. Mm. So, I mean, that's some sort of feedback to structurally your force production or whatever that you're improving. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, I know you gave a shout out to, to WAC and Chris Chamberlain with the coiling. And it is such a integral part of knowing how to help access your ability to close that torque stick so that was a that's a fantastic little attribute there yeah once again i think it's just easier for people to feel what they're talking about when they're talking about that tension and and position and the low lat because it gives you something i think i put in the course like here's your focal point to Mm -hmm steer your body around and create torque around this fixed object, which you're squeezing. And yeah, I think that is just a shortcut to the experience uh, of creating a lot of these positions, you know, is what people see from the outside. But the 
the real felt experience. Well, and the other benefit that I, that I really enjoy out of it is getting that compression and activating all the tissues, but then being able to gradually increase your lever lengths and decrease your lever lengths to give the client the, a better understanding of the impact of lengthening and shortening levers. Yeah, that and also it really changed my perspective of range of motion because a lot of times you think, oh, it's a joint angle from A to B out here. But under a certain constraint of tension, which is this compressive force, you're going to be limited, especially overhead of mm-hmm. where uh, uh, your mobility is. And you could be creating the same exact amount of tension the, the opposite way, ripping something apart. And you might fly up and it might assist it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much a radiation uh, moving through the range. It's like a specific torque. All of your tissue musculature is kind of wrapping in that direction around that creates you know, a specific usable range of motion, which, you know, you guys have the sandbags in the gym, like pressing a sandbag overhead oh. at a bar where you're kind of doing two different directions of force is very different. And the weight you can do range of motion is different. Even though if you're looking at an x-ray, Oh, they're just moving their hand yeah. mm-hmm. up and down. Yeah. Plus with that sandbag, you know, the weights displaced just a little bit different too. You know, sometimes it's not, you know, it's not even weight in both hands, which is love. <laughs> well, I, the other thing too, we've gotten so comfortable with just, working with handles and we just don't understand how to manipulate objects anymore. And that's the one thing that I, the watching you people to follow your account are going to get a grasp and understanding of, especially when you're lifting the rocks and you're using the torque stick and you're moving, you know, through different into different shapes is understanding, Oh, the impact of how everything has to work together to help you lift an odd shaped object. Yeah. Once again, the experience of putting, you know, open grip, squeezing something together and lifting it off the ground like a child or a box is very different than a barbell deadlift. And same going overhead and carrying, which, you know, I love both. I think both are important to experience and have a reference for, especially if you want to translate it in everyday life, because Outside the gym, there's not too many things you're ripping apart to press and pull off the ground with the weight outside of you. But I love uh, once I love the barbell; it'll get you jacked and strong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're not discrediting it, but it's just I think we think too many people are just too one dimensional when it comes to their training. Yeah, yeah, and and even a cool thing about these just different tools, which which when we say tool, external constraint that forces you to create a different tension. So. Being exposed to those, the sandbag requires you to compress and do that. But then you can go to the bar, which really doesn't have that constraint requiring you to create a certain tension. And now you have options like, oh, let me create this torque with my body into the bar and pick it up now, as opposed to another way I could do it. So now it gives you freedom and options to, in the same positions and path and lift to kind of do it with a different intention. I like that. And you can also kind of test and see, Hey, does this torque help me on this type of lift or does it not? Is it, is it not useful for this barbell lift? Yeah. And I, and I trust the individual to do what feels better for them. And if they have more options and more experiences to draw on, then, Hey, they're going to 
be able to choose and regulate themselves better. So what's the, you know, what's the reasoning behind you only or mainly sticking with a 20 and 40 kg torch stick? Because I mainly am just using it for feedback and I'm trying to create as much internal tension as possible. I mean, really even doing it without the stick and trying to create the same tension for me is even harder than something I, I try to do. So the six there just to give me feedback and the way I'm using it is really for the, the movement, the global movement, and not so much a specific strength exercise of just closing the stick, okay. which for that, I would use a bigger one, but mainly I'm, I'm just priming a movement pattern. So it allows you to get into you know, more positions and build more awareness, essentially. Right. So are you implementing this more before your external lifts or loads? Yeah, for myself and clients, it's the warm up pretty much. Okay. If we're doing hinging, we're just doing hinges with it, squats, lunges, and then we're going into the loaded movement. It's speeded up my warm ups quite a bit. <laughs> because you're totally engaged. You cannot not be engaged when you're using this, especially when you're trying to, if you know you have a lot of rotational drills that you're going to be doing. And you start returning with this thing, you're going to get those obliques fired up. You're definitely going to get everything linked together between the upper and lower extremities. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see where it would cut down your warm up time. And we're always complaining we don't have enough time. So, if we can shorten, make it optimal and yet shorten the amount of time for warm up, then it's in our best interest. Yeah. And it's pressing overhead anything. If I warm up with that, I mean, my pecs are like pumped up and gorged. And it feels, <laughs> it feels, the joints just feel safer and better when I know I have that pump, especially. That's actually one of the reasons I like to try, like when I do like a feat of strength that I want to test, it's always at the end of my workout when I'm slightly fatigued mm. because I feel a bit safer. Just that if I fail, it's because of fatigue and it's not because I'm not, I'm not warm. So there's a, there's a bit of a, governor on there for me. So yeah, I, I like that that feeling. What I loved about the program is you're taking people through different positions, whether it be on the ground, the ground-based stuff was really good. Enjoyed that. So you're you're giving them all these different alternatives. And whether they know it or not, they're getting more resilient in different positions. And that's what's fantastic. Yeah, we try to create a, a language in the course to create landmarks for these different positions with the stick and actions creating with the stick and then layering that on top of the basic movement patterns. So pretty much it's a, it's a big matrix of, of movement. So whatever your specific sport is or exercise or movements you're training, you'll be exposed to it somewhere in that program, which covers quite a bit of the basics. So how long did it take you to to design the program see a couple days yeah just pulled an all-nighter you know? <laughs> <laughs> well i've been playing so I, I kind of been playing with it for three three plus years now and really they came from giving it to my clients as warm-ups for pretty much everything and <laughs> i mean i use my people as guinea pigs all the time whether they like it or not so it's like hey does this help? And they're like, oh yeah, this feels better. I want to keep this. Played with it for myself. And I'm like, uh, yeah, so 
here's a list of things that have helped people. Uh, I've seen help myself. And then from there, hey, let's play around with what can we explore in these positions. So yeah, I've just charting that out for the past couple of years. And the program's pretty much, it's over a hundred variations and separate exercises oh. in there, which, hey, we, I threw the kitchen sink at it and I'm, I'm not ashamed. It's not, it's not a simplistic, elegant program, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just everything we use. And hopefully there's useful things for everyone. It's going to be the aha moment that a lot of people need to experience and feel and not just be talked to about it. You know, and that's why when you did the intros to give people, okay, let's talk them through the basics of why, you know, what they're doing, what they're getting out of this, uh, different grips and, and positions, but then just showing the videos of, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and without any words, just so people can experience it. And that's what I love about it is it's going to give them that exploration that I think a lot of people just aren't maybe not know how to do and or aren't able to do so to speak because they're just not equipped to understand how to do it yeah that's always where you're going to get the most information is from experiencing it and trying it out yeah we go over kind of the technique in the Mm -hmm. cues for you know the different positions and grips in the beginning but once you apply them the stick and the tool takes care of it of what you need to do for itself you're not going to mess that up so yeah, just going into it. And that's, that's once again, the best way to learn. And that's why practical tools, um, like the stick mobility and other things, the reason that it bypasses and you don't have to explain what you want them to get out of it and how is what makes them, I think, such great tools to use. That's why I love them. Because as I was watching the videos and I was going and I was watching the specific drills, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, how can I build on this? You know, what can I add to this? How can I make this a little bit more challenging? Changing surfaces, changing, you know, th- that stuff's already just running through my head. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have an absolute blast with this program. So yeah, thank you. It's a phenomenal program. I love it. I, I would expect that from you. Yeah. <laughs> You've been doing the, yeah, those, uh, picking up the Jenga blocks. I love that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, it's so hard to keep that thing closed and you're trying to be precise. It's just almost like your body's all like, uh, it was crazy. The response on that, cause you have to be precise and you got to have that subtlety. But as you're trying to keep this thing closed and keep the Jenga in there, it's just like so much feedback. It's crazy. Yeah. That's another aspect that's missing from general, like fitness is precision in you have the load and you have the effort mm-hmm. and now it's adding that in. Yeah. I remember talking to uh, bud Ravenscroft, this old school power lifter who I think he was the first to break 500 on the bench under 200 pounds. Oh, um, wow. the sixties, early seventies. I would always ask him in the gym. I, I was lucky enough to, to get to talk to him a lot. And I said, Hey, what was your background as a kid? Because he just kind of jumped into powerlifting. And he was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't really work out, but I used to um, lay bricks. And so with the mortar, he would, he would grab these like heavy or stone. He would do stone. Mm-hmm. So he'd grab oh. heavy slabs. And he's like, I had to put it precisely on there or else I would have to mess up and start all over. Oh. So I just imagined him grabbing these heavy 
pieces of stone, lifting it up and then like having to <laughs> get it just right and put it down. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's not only a lot of like on paper. Yeah. You're picking things up, putting them down. That's the workload. But that like precision and move and fine movement of the body and placing it at different angles, that's probably the X factor, which could make someone a, a you know, farm boy strong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you're if you're lead climbing, you know, you're, you're hanging on with one arm, it's just completely pumped out, and then you gotta you reach down, you gotta grab a rope, and you gotta be really precise with, you know, right where you clip it, or else you fall. Yeah. So it's that same kind of, and then it, you know, and then you get this fear too, so you got to deal with that, which is always fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, you are in full awareness when you're doing something like that. You're in it. Yeah. I know. Did you take uh, changing subjects here? Did you take the Landmine University course? I did, yes. Okay. How was that, bro? Because I've been wanting to talk to you about that. It was um, a lot of fun. It was uh-huh. one of the most fun courses I did because it's hands-on. Like You jump yeah. in and they're like, all right, we're going to work out and we're going to do an ass-kicking here. So it, yeah, it was short on the talk and a lot of walk, which I enjoyed. Yeah. And I mean, I... I uh, used to be into Olympic weightlifting and I love that feeling of violence Mm -hmm. and like the snap of the bar and getting under it, like just that explosiveness, which isn't accessible to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. the Olympic lifts, the full Mm -hmm. Olympic lifts at least. So to to experience that with uh, empty landmine, which everyone could do, grandmas could do, you know, kids could do, safely it's a lot more accessible i really enjoyed that aspect of it of just creating something of that nature that you know violence of the barbell Mm -hmm. that a lot more people can just access and feel and do so yeah it was a cool really cool course really fun well because i saw his layout it's three days but it's only three hours each day Uh, so I, i think that right in my when i saw that if i didn't know I then knew just looking at the schedule, that's going to be really freaking physically intense. Yeah. Three hours is <laughs> you're not trying to do more after that. <laughs> yeah. You're feeling it. Now he's worked with David Weck as far as the whole coiling core too on that also. Yeah. So they use the same, it's pretty much the, the coiling principle applied to the landmine. Okay. So you, so you're in that you're, transitioning feeling it's a lot of unilateral a lot of moving the feet so it's it's very it's prime for athletics i think alex alex canellis is the instructor mm-hmm. and i think his vision of it is hey this is something that can replace high school college strength and conditioning for athletes mm. uh, and can replace the the main lifts the clean and the snatch which you know they're great lifts but yeah, uh, this is just easier to teach and access. As far as it, is it more functional or side by side, who would have better outcomes? I don't know. That'd be interesting to see. Well, when I look at it, I, I, I personally think it has more carryover. Yeah, like the angle that you're lifting at, you know, right? For for a lot of the sprinting and running sports. Well, the other thing too is just the coordination, and it's like you inferred with the footwork. Like we're thinking about what the arms are doing and what the torso is doing and what the hips are doing, but to see the footwork that's incorporated into that landmine usage is phenomenal. Oh yeah. It's, and that's what makes it a cool workout is like mm-hmm. you're on your feet 
And every, I, the cool thing about the landmine is it's not up and down. With that course, everything is forward and tense. So you're like driving it forward, which is mm-hmm. a lot of sport. You're, you're facing your force forward against something else, or you're trying to move your body forward in space. So that was cool in a different experience. And I, I think maybe the reasons why you feel like you got run over by a truck after that three <laughs> hours is, yeah, you're not, it's something we're not used to doing outside of sport is, is just moving a weight forward, moving your feet while falling forward, essentially, because that landmine's holding you up. So yeah, it's, that's, it's a cool element that you don't see much in training. Because I've been pretty impressed with some of the weights that those guys are moving on some of that i was like shit that's that's a lot of strength right there and explosiveness oh yeah it feels nice too i mean, it feels I nice. mean yeah because i mean every I, people are so used to just such a straight linear thing that when you give them anything off of that it just completely taxes the shit out of them yeah there's that balance component when you're on your toes yeah i'd be interested to see i think some programs i think some wrestling programs are adopting oh. it I oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, some high schools I think are are using that. So yeah, that'll I would I would love to see the fruits of that what the kids are experiencing. I know if I was a if I was a, integrated into a football program, I'd be all over it right away. Mm-hmm. Because to me right away I'd be like, "Oh shit, my my D lineman and my offensive lineman need this." Like this is boom. Or hell, even the receivers and running backs. I mean, they need this just to but especially the the offensive and defensive line. Yeah, I mean, if I the the kids I train, <laughs> I train a, a quite a few youth athletes, college and high school, and a lot of them want to work on their main lifts because they want to. They know they're going back into their college program mm-hmm. to do and test the main lifts. Yeah, mm-hmm. which it's, it's just like hey. You're, on the field is where you want to yeah. uh, compete and not so much in the <laughs> weight room. It's there to serve you, right? And you're, right. Not, you're not serving it in any ways. But yeah, sandbags, I love that for athletes. Just that kind of strength. And, you know, I also love the, the main lifts. But mm-hmm. yeah, the clean and the snatch, I'm open to saying, hey, maybe the, the landmine versions are better for some people yeah i would tend to agree yeah hey so i know over the last was it is it just this year you guys kind of transitioned out of omu and now you guys are doing a um, movement quest thing you guys are filming a lot of like parody videos um (laughs) can you talk about talking about that or you know why you guys have gone in that direction i love them too man they're great I think it was just an idea that Murph had, like, hey, let's film something like an office scene, but for the gym. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and then he started filming it, and we, we all kind of got into it. We're like, hey, how about this? Why don't we do this? So then I think it became just something fun that we enjoyed doing. And it was a way to kind of address issues we all talk about, like, in the staff room or amongst other trainers that we could kind of lightheartedly bring up with a sketch. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's more for us having fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause I mean, just people on Instagram, you know, sometimes they take every single post way too seriously, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people people take movement systems and ideologies too seriously. People take coaching. I mean, we've seen it. There's really like fascist approaches to how people are supposed to move and how the body's supposed to work, what exercises you're supposed to do. People get very serious about exercise, which I I mean, I love learning about it and the interests. It's like my hobby. But I think when it, it trickles down to the people who just want to feel better and get in the gym and then they're indoctrinated with, oh, it's they're on eggshells. Like uh, these are a bunch of, uh, like they're in school again. Hopefully they can learn to see that uh, it's not that serious and that, you know, laugh at it. We, we should laugh at some of the things going on. <laughs> well, if you can't make fun of yourself, I mean, if you can't laugh at stuff, yeah. you know, then, yeah. And then it's a, maybe a sign that you are taking things a little too seriously. It's like anything else. The politics of fitness can get very yeah. serious. And I, I understand that, you know, it's people's identities. And when you mix your identity with your business and there's money involved, then it's like, I have to defend and I have to, you know, promote this black and white way of thinking about movement. But yeah, that's probably like any, any industry has their, their groups. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like when people want clients, are always like, how's my form? You're like, well, your form is subject to what you do best or what you're going to do most efficiently. If we see something that's grossly out of whack, then yes, we'll go back and address that. But the way you do something versus the way I do something could be two different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, on, it's always going to be on an individual level that you're helping people. And then when you go on Instagram, now we're no longer on an individual level. People are saying on a general scale, everyone needs to do this. Everyone shove your knees out. You know, everyone red X green check mark. Yeah. So yeah. that, that is dangerous when you bring it outside the, the individual. Very true. Very true. So, uh, you got anything in the future plans now, now that your, uh, torque stick manual is done? probably like five mini little projects I'm working on, but uh, we'll see what sticks. Usually every couple years, two, three years, I try to introduce like a different constraint into my training. Like the last few years have been, you know, just what could I milk out of this torque stick to see all the mm. value that it has to offer. So I'll probably start playing around with something else to see if there's anything I could take away from it. You have any train like training goals then right now at all, or just kind of messing around right now, just feeling good training, trying to get stronger, trying to get bigger, trying to get faster. Like always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you going to do any live torque stick courses, live torque stick courses? Um, I honestly, I've never thought about that until you just said it. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ba-ding! Damn it, Dennis. <laughs> Ba-ding! Coming. Coming in the summer 2021. <laughs> yeah, that would be... I, I would have to uh, think about that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. If there's a demand for it, that, that would be interesting. I was thinking about doing some uh, Cheetor courses when things were opening, which is, is pretty much... if. For people who have taken that course, which uh, uh, Chris Chamberlain and myself put together, it's pretty much trying to uh, learn to produce different tensions without an implement like the stick. Mm-hmm. So it, they they go together pretty well. It's a, it's a good tool for 
forcing the generation of uh, different torques in different positions. So yeah, yeah, maybe maybe we'll do a course on that. Thanks, Dennis. No, you're welcome. Man. Anything, anything to help out, man. It's you know me, you know us, man. It's if it's great information, if it's great content, and we got we got to get it out there. We get, more people need it. I know when we teach, it's greatly deficient. Let's put it that way, as far as good quality content of what's of what's missing in the fitness industry. So, why do you think I've taken a lot of courses and learned from a lot of people? Yeah, you guys don't have that scarcity mindset, and you really love taking things and ideas and, and things that work and promoting them and infusing them into what you guys do. Is that something you consciously do? Because it it's not a normal thing. It's kind of out of the norm of the fitness industry. I feel like I don't know, man. I just I just think that you just use what works. Yeah, if it works, you know? if it, if it kicks in, if it feels good and it's beneficial to you, I think it started mostly because we did see such alienation and such a strict dogma. And I think at some point we just were like, okay, it's just bullshit. Just this is ridiculous. Yeah, that was cool. I noticed that when we do the stick mobility courses, it's probably different from a lot of courses that people take where it's like, all right, guys, we got the way. Let me show you. Right. You guys are like, hey, here's something that uh, whatever your way is and look at all these great ways they could assist and help out with. And yeah, I love that. And I think we need more of that in the fitness and the movement industry. If you were told that you could only eat at one restaurant, People would be like, oh, this is bullshit. And the same thing with the fitness industry. It's, it's, there's so many options and everybody has their own tastes. Everybody has their own flavors. And we have skill sets that really, to be honest with you, skill sets, body structures, things of that, that are going to maybe preclude us to be better at certain things than we are at other things. And I think we tend to gravitate to the things that we're good at if we discover something, you know, but then at the same time, don't, exclude other modalities and other things because you may find that those things that you've been ignoring are actually going to help you with what it is that you love to do yeah i love the restaurant analogy it's like if you're into this sort of food and that's what you serve people you don't say hey you guys aren't allowed to eat anywhere else or anyone else's food <laughs> you're just <laughs> offering what you do you know right. at, yeah, but i see trainers and like chefs Pretty, it's a similar job as this is a art and a science, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. we're, we're creating and delivering experiences for people when they walk in the gym and you have your own styles based off your history. What a weird industry yeah. we're in. <laughs> well, the one thing that I notice a lot with teaching is how little exposure, even some of the best teachers in our industry how few people actually know who they are. I mean, we have icons in our industry that we're like, oh my God, we think that everybody knows who this person is. And then when you ask around, you you find out quickly that no, there's we're just eensy teensy little bit. So if people are pushing good content and great messages, then I think as always, we help each other out by by promoting each other and and getting more exposure as a whole. Yeah, that's the way to do it especially in, in the future, especially with social media. It's networking. It's just exposing the greatness that you see and sharing 
separate things from other people. That's just the way forward. Well, and I, th- I think every system, you know, is limited in its own way too. like as versatile and as good as stick mobility is, you know, there's going to be other tools or other systems that are going to mm-hmm. provide you more help once you hit a certain point. That's until you guys start expanding the uh, stick mobility product arsenal. That's right. Give, give, <laughs> give me one. I could touch the handles together. That's what I would ask. <laughs> The seven footer does it. Yeah, put, put your arms out wide on the seven footer and see if you can bring it in, bring it back. <laughs> you, know, you know, the other thing too is the message can be the same, but if it's the it, personalities are such a huge part of, of how it's received, you know, mm-hmm. so 25 people, 25 presenters can be talking about the same exact thing, except we're going to cater to all these different people simply because the way we talk, the way we look, you know, our energy, all these factors. So it, it, it doesn't for us, it doesn't matter who delivers the message as, as long as that content is being is being received. You know, if if somebody doesn't like the way Neil and I present something, you can present the same exact message and the people are like, oh, DJ is awesome. Great. Freaking fantastic. Be like, damn it, DJ! I just said that to you yesterday. <laughs> <And then, laughs> yeah, Teach me. <laughs> yeah, you see that a lot, and and it's the languages people use, the mechanisms they use to explain what's going on. But I feel I feel like a lot of people are on the same page and trying to do the same thing. And yeah, maybe you get c- caught up in how it's delivered or the context you're describing it in, but. Yeah, which is a good thing because it. I just had this conversation with a friend yesterday. All this like seemingly conflicting sources of information in the fitness industry. I, you know, I don't think it should be like regulated by governing body mm. necessarily okay. because it is going to reach. You know, maybe someone needs this personality or to hear it from this person or to have it delivered in this way. It's just an a way to reach all different kinds of people. And hopefully the, the end goal is to help people, right? And pull mm-hmm. them into movement and feeling better and exploring and just, you know, uh, accessing health and fitness pretty much. So I think in the long run, it's a good thing to have this open market of different ideas, even though it can be confusing from the outside, right? A lot of it is ego based, right? I mean, let's just get down to the nitty gritty. It, it, most of it, I think, comes from the ego getting in the way and maybe even a little bit of, of it is financial FOMO, right? People Mm -hmm. think, Oh, I'm missing out. Like if I don't do this, then I'm going to miss out. But no, in reality, if, if we're all working together for the same goal, the pie is huge. It is massive folks. And you're going to get a piece if you're if you're doing great content and you're the message is on point and things like that then you're going to get a good chunk of that pie i mean it's a massive piece of pie you just have to be able to take a step back in our opinion and actually look at it from that perspective and go oh jesus i'm not missing out on anything i'll get my share yeah i've experienced the the fomo of right. oh these these people have the answer to movement that will fix all my problems and they do have solutions a lot of times they create the problems that you didn't know were there <laughs> and then they sell you the solution <laughs> but um, it's, it's all different information that you're gonna find something valuable to take away hopefully even if it's just one thing 
I like approaching movement or especially what I like my hobby of, of maybe doing like a post I do of some feet. Like to me, it's sort of an artistic mindset. And then I think people are disappointed when they're like, so this is how you train and work out. And like, oh, I kind of do a lot of basic stuff <laughs> in my training. <laughs> and this is like my hobby, which I'm excited about, you know, uh-huh. testing it. And it's what I find fun, but it's not necessarily the way, especially to, to become strong or build your capacity. It's just a possibility or potential you could do with it. And that's something I love saying, you know, is people, just human potential of movement. I think it's fascinating. Well, here's a question, because Neil and I talk about this oftentimes. Do you think a lot of the tools in the fitness industry kind of outprice themselves from the market? Hmm. So what do you mean by that? Okay, let's let's take, for instance, okay, the, the average person understands, okay, if I buy a treadmill, it's going to be X amount of dollars, right? Two, three thousand dollars. But yet, if I get a treadmill that has no engine, I've got to pay twice as much. Wouldn't you expect that treadmill to actually be less expensive? Because it doesn't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like sometimes I sit back and go, ah, you would have a much better impact and you would actually probably make way more money if you actually. Like if I'm looking at a a motorless treadmill, I'd be like, well, why would, if I want these to be everywhere, why would I charge five, six grand for something that doesn't have a motor when I can go to the local store, I can go to Costco and pick up a top notch treadmill for 1500 bucks, $2,000. Yeah. I think the, in the whole fitness industry, the most money is generated by, is it, it's a apparel, fashion apparel Mm-hmm. And I th- is it supplements? I think yeah. I think supplements are number one. No, right? supplements are number one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Supplements, it's, fashion, it's and I think maybe equipment's number three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Even like the 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 sweat belt uh, waist trimmer things, low end like the little glute bands, resistance mm-hmm. bands, and the handle things and the the balls. Yeah, those are low end. And then when you get to the high end, like a Peloton, it's hard to compete in that space, right? Because you it want is. The, that, you want the best of the best. I, I find it fascinating. The, the Peloton thing in general, fascinating. Yeah, they're killing it. They're killing it. They're, they're killing, killing it. it. They're, they're doing a good job. People are. Yeah. People love those, and I think people are adhering to them more than treadmills. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a lot collecting dust. Oh yeah, maybe for not sure. as much. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's interesting. Well, because with the Peloton, you're getting interactive, right? So you you're getting that interactive with the with the coaches that are on the platforms but with the treadmill you know like you just buy it and you either use it or you don't use it so yeah it's like i said i mean for for me it's just kind of like i think you'd have a way better impact on the market and then on everybody as a whole just bringing those prices down because like i said if if i'm looking at it just as a regular consumer i'm i'm thinking this versus this and this is twice the price than this it doesn't, it just logic, it logically just doesn't click with me. Yeah. I didn't know that about the, the engine the treadmill. Yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting. Maybe because of the, the curve and like, you know, how every little piece has to be separate as opposed to just a single belt. Oh, I'm sure that's part you of know. it. But is that twice the price worth? I mean, that's, I don't know. That's what kind of makes, <laughs> especially since we're now in the side of manufacturing, you know, yeah. we're getting, we're getting a little bit in that manufacturing side where you have that exposure to it. And when we look at things like Alibaba, when we see that same exact treadmill for 
literally a fifth of the price. In fact, was it 700 bucks? We we've seen on Alibaba $700 for some of these same exact treadmills that are going for five grand, six grand. Um, made in the US or well, of course China? Not. No, no, no. Yeah. So you're China, having to yeah. buy like a, a few hundred of these. <laughs> No, I think uh, uh, I some know. of them we've I've seen. Never tried to buy one. <laughs> yeah, we we. It's funny we've sat on Alibaba and kind of looked at it and been like, oh. but you, there's somewhere they're like, yeah, just two purchase minimum, two minimum treadmills. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I looked like, at the the sticks on Alibaba before. Oh, did you? Okay. I'm like, because I was like, oh, maybe I could, um, you know, sell a brand of these that I use, and it's like, whoa, you got to buy. It gets into like Excellent. drop shipping yes. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, uh, I'll just refer people to some good brands. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've been, uh, so there's, there's a lot of other higher end equipment that Neil and I are like, this is really good stuff. It's, it's really good, but the price point kind of just turn, I think turns people off where you're kind of like, if you really want to get out to the masses and give them something that's really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more beneficial than other pieces of equipment for us. It's kind of like, just bring the price point down. You're going to make a ton more money. What's interesting is I, I don't have the numbers for this, but I'm guessing on a large scale, the most money that's generated is products that are based on false claims and pseudoscience and mm-hmm. probably not worth the investment. And this is, I'm guessing, fat loss mm-hmm. supplements, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, waist trimming, this, the creamy rub on your belly to get rid of the fat. I mean, they're, they're preying on people's insecurities oh, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's... Testosterone boosters. Yeah, that, that's a little bit disingenuous. Good products and things that actually have value. I wish they could be subsidized to some extent by mm. the government, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that or saying, or, or you could write it off or something if you're really investing in something for your health. But once again, out of all the industries, very unregulated what people are selling and claiming and what's bringing in the money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for the listeners who don't know, how can they follow you, get a hold of you? Yeah, just head to at Strong Camps on Instagram and I'll have a link that where you can get one of the Torque Sticks in the US, if you're not in the US, just go on your like preferred online marketplace, Amazon, and type in Power Twister Spring and something should pop up. Once again, I prefer like the the starting with the 20 kg, a lighter one. <laughs> Neil, and not the 80 kg. Uh, I bought I bought, he bought, I bought other ones. He too. bought the other okay. ones too. But I'm like, oh, what's this? 80? Oh, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Dennis, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The link to the manual is also on there uh, on my Instagram. Yes. And like I said, highly recommend the manual. So if you get that power twister, DJ is going to show you the best optimal ways to get the mes- most use out of it. Because economically, it, it's, it's really inexpensive and it's going to really help build a nice overall strength systemically through the entire body. So yeah, it's, it's a great manual. And great little tool there. So thank you very much for coming on. And uh, great to chat with you as always, brother. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, always, guys. Love chatting with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. And to all the listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. And until next episode, be good to each other.